Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. We're joined today on Film School by Vibeka Lokenberg, the director of the documentary Tears of Gaza. Tears of Gaza is uh, screening opening today, uh, September 21st, here in Los Angeles, and we'll be getting into more information about specifically where that is in just a little bit. Rebecca, welcome to Film School. Thank you. And thank you so much for the film, uh, Tears of Gaza. Tell me a little bit about how you got involved with the idea of doing a documentary and how much uh, history or uh, did, were you uh, familiar with in terms of the uh, of the history of the Gaza? Well, um, of course, I am. Uh, I have um, as a Norwegian. Uh, you remember the peace uh, agreement we made uh, mm-hmm. once. Uh, we are into that uh, subject, so we are following all what happens between Israel and Palestine. But uh, I was quite a surprise to, uh, to, to watch a film, which I didn't watch in television in a way, because there was no images, just this distance, uh, small reportages, and uh, I felt the need of uh, knowing what was going on inside Gaza. Mm-hmm. But everybody was kept outside the border, no journalists were allowed inside, and I, I could see all these records and all these bombs on the distance, but I was feeling that something really gruesome is happening in there and we don't know and then uh, i saw a small interview with a boy uh, who was uh, had lost his family his house and uh, i saw his face and i got this uh, incredible need of uh, going to him to to i felt like yeah i want to show him my care for him mm-hmm. Uh, so, in a way, I, I think he wake me up as a mother, mm. in a way. Mm-hmm. And then uh, that was my first intention. I want to go there. I want to be with this boy. I want to see these children. I want to care for them. And I want them to tell my, them my story, they, their story. Mm-hmm. Well, now let's uh, back up just one step. You were watching uh, footage. You were hearing about uh, something that is now referred to as Operation Cast Lead which was yes. an Israeli operation that occurred in the latter part, the December of 2008, and went into the first few weeks of 2009. And it was an operation in which the Israelis essentially, uh, through airstrikes and tanks, uh, uh, went into uh, Gaza, Gaza City, I assume, and uh, destroyed and killed. And I don't have the statistics right in front of me, but I bet you have a good idea. How many people uh, died? It was about a two week and it was about two weeks worth of... Uh, Military? Four weeks, I think. Oh, it was four weeks. I might, okay. Yeah, and it was uh, 1,400 people and 600 children, and a lot more to be, uh, um, you know, um, like um, invalidized. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there was a uh, lot of people in such a small place being bombed, and they cannot run anywhere. They are trapped there mm-hmm. because they are in occupation, and they are closed inside a small area. Yeah, it's important to point out uh, uh, that Gaza is one of the most densely populated, um, well, I don't even know if you can call it a country, really, uh, occupied areas, let's call it that, because that's what it's generally referred to as, in the world. It is very densely populated part of the world. 
and also very, very poor. It's, I've, I've heard it referred to as a fourth world country uh, in terms of um, the economics, the infrastructure, et cetera, et cetera. So um, that's, that's sort of the setting for what happened. The Israelis went in, I guess, on the pretext that they, were, they had been under attack from someone or some organization within Gaza. That must have been the rationale. I'm not even sure why. Uh, the, what was the uh, reason for it? Um, so you saw this young boy on television and saw him, and you, your heart went out to him, and you wanted to tell his story. Tell me and our listeners a little bit about the process by which you were able to get in touch. I don't know if it was the same boy, but get in touch with the children. There's three children showcased in the film. Yeah, and then ha- Go ahead. And tell us how you did that. Yeah, well, I, I contacted by phone the same evening um, an organization who is called Free Speech. Mm-hmm. Uh, they give money to uh, ideal projects, and uh, I asked them, could you please help me to come down to uh, Israel and uh, so I can try to get into uh, Gaza. And uh, my husband agreed to me that we should do something. We, we couldn't just watch that uh, kids are being killed like this. and. Uh, we went uh, to Israel and we uh, asked uh, the government to come into Gaza, but we were not allowed to go in there and make any documentaries. Mm. This was just after the war. Mm. And also during the war, journalists were not allowed to come in and report from the war. So uh, then we went to, uh, the, uh, to the Sinai desert. We uh, went to Cairo. We then through the, de- the desert six hours and to try to come into the other side from Egypt side in Alarish and uh, uh, it was um, they denied us to come in it is the same they're working together with Israel and uh, we could not come in to make any reportage or documentary so I called um, a team uh, inside uh, Gaza with working for writers and um, big companies in uh, Western uh, countries, and I asked them if we could cooperate. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, I told them I wanted to uh, to see the everyday life of women and children and families, how they survived after this war. Uh, they had no clean water, they do not have food, they do not have money to buy any anything they need. Uh, and uh, uh, I described I didn't want the reportage. I want to make a movie. And so they had to, first thing they should think of was having the camera um, face-to-face with the children, mm-hmm. uh, not from the standpoint of a, a grown-up. Mm-hmm. And they right. should keep the camera uh, standing on the child, even if he ca- cried, uh, not stop the camera. All these um, elements is very important to... Uh, uh, to to uh, kind of get to know the children on their level. Right. Mm-hmm. I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with uh, Vivecca Lokenberg, the director of documentary that's coming out today, uh, September 21st, called Tears of Gaza. So you, you established this relationship, or you began to cultivate this relationship with these children, and I, I do really appreciate, from a filmmaking point of view, your, the way you were able to get as you just described, to photograph to uh, these kids on their level to really get in into their worldview, if you will, what they see of the world. And uh, they're all very bright, um, very, I mean, obviously the trauma that they've experienced is hard to imagine, but they all come across as 
very well-spoken um, and um, very empathetic kids dealing with uh, unspeakable horror in their own life. Um, mm. Now, and I think all of them had lost either a parent or a brother, if I'm not mistaken, or a sister. Yes. Um, they, they had all experienced not only uh, that, but they'd also, um, particularly in the case of, is it Ram, Rami? Or, um, yeah. She had lost, uh, She it looks like the use of, of, of her leg. I mean, it certainly seemed... Amira, I'm, Amira, I'm pardon me. I'm I'm yeah. so sorry. Had lost. Uh, she had certainly been physically injured dr- uh, pretty dramatically in in the attack as well. Now, as far as going about getting the footage for uh, Tears of Gaza, what was the rela- how did you develop the relationships or how did you get a hold of the footage? Because the footage, well, I just want to point out to our audience, it is real time video of bombs dropping and buildings falling down and people dealing with the aftermath, pulling uh, dead children out of the rubbish, uh, out of the, I'm sorry, out of the carnage that uh, had mm-hmm. happened. Um, tell me a little bit about the getting the, the footage. The, how did yeah, that, um, that was the context I, I, uh, I got from inside. And this is footage which they cannot sell to the Western countries. They don't want them. Right. Uh, because they cannot send them, um, because they have some um, s- some protection ideals that you should be too protected to see uh, a dead body or uh, the situation of kids being bombed. Uh, and all this makes a distance between the two of us, you know, yes. or the, the victim and me, myself. I don't, I live in a fiction. I never see what really happens in war. Right. <clears throat> and to, to go against wars, and to cre- create new movements uh, for peace, people have to see what is war. Yeah. And they don't see it. They just see, like, uh, on the f- surface, uh, uh, people being bombed and people screaming, running, but they don't get to know the people. And this is my aim, that you should get to know a very stigmatized people from the Middle East, which they call kind of terrorists, mm-hmm. and people are afraid of them in the West, but this is ordinary civilians. They are not soldiers. They are women and children. And these are the people, which is the target, which is also the target you can see in Syria, in Iraq. It's, uh, and they have no voice. And I wanted to give them a voice. Well, and that's really, the, for me, the crux of this film is that, is that we rarely, if ever, do we ever, uh, that we see Palestinians in any other context except uh, armed we're throwing rocks or some some sort of very um, reactive sort of mode that they're in. They're never ever seen in American media uh, as anything but people involved in something awful in one way yeah. or another, either being perpetrated by them or perpetrated against them. And your film, through these three children, Amira, Razmia, and is it Yah? Yah? Am I saying that? Yah. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are are seen. Um, not only do we see their lives and the direction that their lives seem in, inevitably going towards a, a life of uh, unfulfilled expectations and dreams, but we also see their their family and the, their their parents and their aunts and uncles and trying to imagine what it would be like to run down the street as bombs are dropping around you with you holding on to your children for dear life. And, and you see it in this film is, uh, 
is uh, really a very powerful, powerful thing. And uh, how did you? Yeah, yeah. No, go ahead. Yeah, I'm glad you 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 say, saying that because I wanted you as an audience to experience a war yourself. Yeah. You should feel like you're in there. Yeah. And this was my. This was very important for me to do. Well, I will. I will also. Um, um, I would like to give. <laughs> An audience, uh, a, a warning about this film, and not, not that there's any reason not to go and see it, but uh, you don't pull any punches in the, in the footage that you show. I think uh, it's always a fine line between drawing people in and so that they see the true horror of film, I mean of war, pardon me, mm-hmm. and, then, and then being understandably repulsed at the images that you're seeing. And this film walks that line for me because we are able to contrast it with the humanity of the people involved as well it's not a it's not a, just a, a horror show we see the we see more much more of a totality of the people involved and who are being uh, bombed yeah well um so, so now um i i don't want to again i mean we talked about this a little bit before but i don't want to get too far into the politics of this but uh, because I I really think that the film's strength is that it's there's no narration. We're just no. seeing footage of things happening um, to to them over the course of this month long siege on Gaza. What what was the what were the calculations for you in basically deciding to go the route you did with this film? No narration. What, what was the intent on your part to? Uh, to do to do the film the way you did because i have seen so many political documentaries mm-hmm. um especially from this issue and uh, i don't learn anything from it because they're all going to my brain uh, they're discussing with my mind all the time mm-hmm. i wanted you to have an emotional um, experience with uh, people which is like yourself which is could be your children I didn't want to make any distance with having any lines being said. Uh, I think they can manage themselves to tell their own story. Uh, but the way we are making reportages in the Western countries from the uh, Middle East is making these people to the other, if you do understand. Mm-hmm. The other. That's the first sentence to start a war. It is to make people the other. So I wanted to... Uh, to take away this element, and I uh, wanted you to uh, to cry with them, and people does, but it is not a cry you should fear. It's a good cry for people mm-hmm. because it's like their first time. They are kind of uh, they feel they don't be they they are not afraid of the people which is so stigmatized, you know, yeah. uh, in the whole world because of the war on terror. That means uh, they got friends. People want to do something. People come to us and they ask, what can we do? We want to do something active. I said, well, you can do what you can do. I do what I can do. Uh, doctors can do what doctors can do. And that is about all the wars we are seeing in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. And uh, especially the bi-ritual, uh, uh, when, when, when other countries invent uh, in the Middle East, they are doing worse. And we can cause a lot of, uh, uh, I mean, that it worsens. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, well, well. That, that's a good point um, that you just brought up, and 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 that is, uh, what can we do now? There are organizations um, that Amnesty International and human rights mm-hmm. uh, uh, organizations like that who are active, who are who are proactive, and and shining a light, calling attention to these uh, these situations around the world. There's no shortage of human rights abuses going on in the world, and it seems. Uh, it seems to be becoming worse and worse. Uh, the world seems uh, hell-bent on uh, putting down in, in, I shouldn't say it that way, but there are a lot of countries, not just the Middle East, that are intent on repressing the, the wishes and the desires of their own people for for all kinds of reasons. Do you have yeah. any recommendations to someone who's watched your film, Tears well, in Gaza? Yeah, what What should. can they do? Yeah, well, um, I think they should um, come together yeah. and they should uh, try to uh, create and develop a new uh, uh, movement for peace in the world. Because uh, it's kind of uh, old-fashioned to try to solve political problem with weapons. Right. Because it doesn't solve anything, has never solved anything, has only caused new and bigger problems. So uh, it is uh, the people who live on this dark earth, they have to to feel responsible when they see that uh, the weapon industry is uh, so proud to uh, to make more and more sophisticated weapons, and uh, right. and it targets uh, civilians and women and children. Right. And so uh, it's up to us to well, change. Well, I, I, and I, pardon me for jumping in, but I think there are two primary things uh, that people can do. Mm-hmm. Um, one is that they can, imp- they can put pressure on their own government. And here in the United States, we enjoy the the great right as citizens to be able to vote people in and out of office who will Im- who will have who will share our beliefs and our values we do have that we have the we have protests we can do things to put pressure on our political class to do things and i would suggest that the second thing and it's an important part of this and it's really kind of an insight into the difficulty you had in acquiring the footage and going to gaza and that is we should be in the business of trying to establish a contacts with the people in these parts of the world that are in fact being they were under attack for no other reason than they happen to be the wrong people i mean the and be in the wrong place at the wrong time mm-hmm. solidarity movements around the world have proven to be very very effective going back to the end of the cold war and before that where people who established these relationships were much less likely to be involved in allowing them to be demonized by our political class that's right I think that's an important part. Um, by the way, uh, Vivekka uh, Luxemburg, well, I want to uh, also um, mention again that the film is called Tears of Gaza, and it's opening uh, today, Friday, uh, September 21st, here in Los Angeles. Um, and also other places, and in, in fact, um, I have a, right in front of me a list of the places that this film has played, and I'm going to ask you about a couple of places. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, the, it's, it showed, it, it was screened at the Jerusalem Film Festival's Film Festival, the 2010 Gaza Film Festival. How was your film received? In Fantastic. Okay. We got first uh, prize in Gaza. Okay. <laughs> and in Jerusalem, it was uh, very well, uh, uh, I mean, received. 
also, of course, some people are angry. But, I mean, uh, the leader of the festival was very much protecting it against uh, the journalists who wanted to, uh, uh, you know, criticize it. Right. So he, he is uh, Jewish, and uh, I remember he said, uh, when, when the state is doing these things, it cannot, uh, it has to expect reactions right. and criticize them. Now, now we're, the, we're in general, it's hard to overgeneralize uh, this, we're, or the Israelis as aware of what happened during Operation Cast Lead as your film shows that to be? Were they aware of the kind of uh, uh, destruction? No, 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 no. no. Okay. They're not. Okay. Of course not. Okay. Well, I would, because, so, I mean, I, there's just uh, so much anger and resentment and back and forth, in, in, in particularly uh, among segments of both populations, the Palestinians and the Israelis that even being aware of it, it might not bother them, but you're saying that they, this has definitely had had an impact on on the people who have seen it, at least, and to know what actually happened. You know that uh, the first, uh, after the Vietnam film, no, after the Vietnam War, Yes. Uh, you remember they came, there came out pictures of this little girl who is running through yes. the street yes. with napalm on her. Yes. And that was the pictures of the photographs who were starting the big peace movements. Right. And they decided, I think the American government, that after this war, there should never come out a picture from their war zones. They will fight it. Mm -hmm. And you can also see we are, uh, <laughs> we don't know, really, uh, if we had a film like Tears of Gaza from Iraq, from uh, Afghanistan, and so on. Uh, you would uh, you would react different to the invasion, right. I think. Right. But uh, so so I think that the, the the aggressor never wants anything to come out really right. uh, from the war zone. Well, it's obvious from the description I read, and we've talked a little bit about here, the difficulty in you being allowed. No journalist, uh, outside journalists, were allowed into Gaza during the Operation Cast Lead. Uh, virtually no one was there to to take these uh, this very powerful video, except for those Palestinians who who were part of. I guess there was a Reuters outfit that was still in in Gaza, who and some of those people were able to take some of these images. Um, it, it's really I, I I don't know if I've really said this strongly enough. This is a very powerful film, um, and it and there's there's very in, there's very little to uh, argue about in terms of politics. It is simply what it is, uh, watching people in the unimaginable, and I mean that unimaginable circumstance of trying to figure out how to survive with sulfur bombs, phosphorus, white phosphorus bombs, heavy duty armaments landing around you, killing hundreds and hundreds of people. And, and unfortunately, uh, uh, I think at least half of the casualties were children, women, and children. Yes, yes. It's over. Over. Mm -hmm. it, it's really uh, very powerful. I want to ask you a little bit about, because we don't have a whole lot of time left, uh, I want to ask you a little bit about the, um, the, the journey of the film once you had it made. You got it made. Now, obviously, it did very well on the film festival circuit. 
Yes, Did, won a lot of prizes. Uh, that has been all over the world. Yeah, really. T- Toronto. It was at the Toronto Film Festival. It was at the Gothenburg International Australia. Film Festival, Monaco, Norwegian, Durango, all over the world, and it's done well. And I could read off all the awards, audience awards, jury commendation, uh, best film uh, of the festival awards, all over the place. With all of that and the power of this film, tell me about the journey of getting this to uh, to marketplace. What, has it been an easy it, – it sounds like it should be a slam dunk for you to get distribution. How has that gone for you? No, 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 no. They don't dare buying it. <laughs> no. It has been screened in two televisions, Norwegian and Swedish. Okay. That's all. Okay, but it is to uh, to our uh, um, certainly uh, to our good good will. I mean, to our, our our good fortune. It is being screened here in Los Angeles. And um, do we have beyond that? Do we have plans uh, to uh, distribute it? Or, to other beyond this um, run, yeah, I, I hope so. Okay, well, Larry Rector is a very uh, fantastic man, and uh, I yeah. hope that he will uh, continue <laughs> uh, sending it to other countries well, who want it. No, no, and also in Mexico City, the big fe- festival there is uh, screening it now in uh, November. Oh, fantastic! Now, is the website? Is there a website for people to find out more and maybe more about the screenings and 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 all? Yeah, Terrace of Gaza, and uh, that's what I can find on in Facebook. Okay, Tears of Tears of Gaza dot com. Would that be? Because yes. I don't see right. yeah. any any material on there. Okay, well, well, I I uh, really truly um, every once in a while you get to see something that uh, is shocking and uh, powerful uh, and um, is about. Uh, the things that aren't didn't happen 50 years, 100 years ago. This is not World War II. This is not Vietnam. This is today. The occupation of Gaza and the West Bank continues now since 1966. Uh, and uh, the uh, human rights abuses uh, are rampant. Uh, the economic opportunity is virtually non-existent. People are essentially living in an in a open-air prison camp in Gaza. And your film... Uh, without really being political, is extremely political in the humanist uh, sense of that word. And I thank you so much for making the film. Oh, I thank you that you have the courage to see it. Uh, well, <laughs> I the really cur- hope that people will come and see it. Yeah. They should not be afraid. I'm much more afraid of seeing a war movie on speculative, you know, speculation. Yeah. Oh, that's that's more much more dangerous for me. Yeah. <laughs> But well, anyway, thank you so well, much. Well, yeah, Rebecca Luxemburg, uh, I again all the, all the success and uh, and continue uh, obviously the good work that you've been doing and uh, with this film and it looks like you um, will continue to uh, to be a part of the the solution and not part of the problem. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. You've been listening to Film School Radio on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.